severely depleted this week, but uh, clinging on for dear life and continuing to record anyway. Welcome to Hand of Pod. It's a very unusual hand of pod this week because uh, I'm the only regular hopper on board. Uh, very late notice from Mr. Edwards. He's he's been unable to, to make the recording um, because uh, he's got food poisoning. So Dan, do get well soon. You'll be hearing from Dan anyway in, in a few minutes. Uh, he's he's going to make a short appearance by Skype to uh, review the Avellaneda de Clásico of the other day. Uh, but we are joined today, as we promised last week, by a real life Arsenal fan. Uh, one of the five has has managed to. To get off on the way down to the stadium, uh, please say hello, Santiago. Hello, guys. This is Santiago. Um, I am an Arsenal fan. Welcome to the pod. Enjoy the turn that. That's on the house. That's it is for all of our guests. Um, and we're going to start things off straight away. I think uh, we'll, we'll get it over with um, with a Skype appearance from Mr. Edwards. So, uh, Mr. Edwards, just say hello. We've we've already recorded the introduction. Um, just say hello to our listeners, as you you know what to do. Hello listeners, how are we today? Uh, we hope that the sound's alright, I'm literally pointing the dictaphone at the computer speakers here because uh, every time I try to record on Skype using the programme it doesn't bloody work properly, so fingers crossed. Um, Dan, we're going to get you on for a few minutes, I know that you're not feeling well, uh, we hope that you get better obviously, um, but you were at the Classico on Sunday weren't you? I was, unfortunately yes. Uh, in the away end, of course. Enjoyable. No, I can imagine. And uh, just tell our listeners what happened. We haven't talked about any of the other matches yet so far. Obviously, the Avellaneda Clásico was the big one. Um, Racing's poor recent record in Clásicos didn't really get any better, did it? No, it was just a pretty tame surrender, to be honest. Um, in the beginning, they scored after about two minutes. Racing looked like they just hadn't woken up and. I think it was Miranda who took advantage of a shot from the outside of the area. Mm. And then, yeah, the rest of them just had nothing to bring it back, nothing to, to get back into the game. And right at the end, uh, in the beginning, team, did the second, finished it, and we were very, very irritated. It was a, there was a goal, what, two minutes in, and then another goal about two minutes from the end, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, 30 seconds from the end. And not very much in between. I mean, Racing especially just didn't really look like they they gave a toss it was uh, no, it, was it weird, didn't look like a classic no, watching it you know, if, if, you, yeah. if I wasn't aware it was a derby I wouldn't have believed you if you'd told me it was it's very true yeah um, it was an odd oh, performance like people you know playing at half pace just kind of trotting around very very bizarre stuff they just didn't turn up really any, any players you were particularly angry at I think you got to look at Sand again it's not really a surprise just, he seemed to lose the ball every single time that he had it it was just infuriating even from throw-ins it's just like unable to give the ball back to the person who took the throw it's, it's quite unbelievable Cameron AC as well hmm? Cameron AC as well yeah, I mean, Cameron AC like that's some, he was a lot more disappointing because I think we expect a little bit more from him than, than Pepe but yeah Cameron AC didn't play well um 
person. So Vieto was probably the one guy in, in wrestling that kind of showed a bit of urgency, showed a bit of desire. There wasn't that much more. Hey Dan, this is Santiago. Yeah, but, um, Vieto didn't seem too bad. I, I thought he was the best. He was probably the only guy in Racing who seemed like he actually gave something for the team. Yeah, that's, that's the um, impression I got. Mm -hmm. And hello, Sandy. It's a pleasure. <laughs> pleasure. Pleasure to meet you. Um, it's not been a great start for Racing. Okay, we're only three games in, but so far we've they've got what one win, two defeats, right? Yeah, they're not going to be challenging for the title, are they? Uh, we're we're going to get on to obviously the the title contenders so far, but having beaten Argentinos last week, um, straight back to defeat, and then Rafaela, right? yeah, and then this coming weekend they're, they're at home to Lanús. So when yeah, are they going to start picking it up? I'd be extremely surprised if they're up there fighting for the title. Mm. They lost kind of Centurion. We know now he's going to be out for the whole season. Uh, Auchi left just when he was seeming to get a bit of form back. Uh, Farini has been injured like there's been a lot of important kind of players absences hurting the team but all the same there's just been no reaction to it like it was a pretty shit pre-season in terms of sign-ins no one really tried to, to look at who was going to leave and really like proactively deal with it of course there's been other problems like um, the whole thing with uh, Nicolas Pacheco and that kind of black mark from Vishal Barque and yeah it's just looks like they've really let it get out of hand and it's disappointing, especially because, of course, not being involved in the Copa Libertadores, as, as in fact, Lanusa aren't either. They were probably hoping to take advantage of the other side's distractions. Um, but in terms of Avellaneda football more broadly, do you, Independiente now suddenly seem to have a, their morale entirely transformed, don't they? They've, they've won, uh, let me see, yeah, they've won the last two, obviously beating Vélez away from home the week before and now winning the Clásico pulling themselves out of the relegation zone for the first time as well are you optimistic still down that Independiente are going to go down or uh, are you pessimistic and think that you're going to have another Clásico next season well we'll have to see I think the really optimistic guy was uh, Gashiro who was saying after the game like, oh, like, we're here to fight for the title we're here for the guy there which seems like a very truly odd attitude and kind of the opposite to what every single manager fighting relegation does they say you know think about Tigre last year it was like you know, the first objective is before relegation first objective is second objective also before relegation so I don't really know what his game is there and possibly the same as Ramon Diaz is at River <laughs> possibly the same thing as Ramon Diaz at River who's, who's saying very similar things yeah but I think you can say um, River got a slightly stronger squad than the Benyendi like, I wouldn't say they played necessarily brilliantly in these two games even though they won um, Dan, as a Racing fan, do you place the blame on Subelia? Do you place the blame on the players? Um, um, I'm putting the blame on the players. Like the real kind of big players, um, the experienced guys that needed to turn up just didn't turn up. And I don't think as a coach, like you know, you can say, you know, he's got the control over changes and tactics, but at the end of the day, half your team are just kind of going through the motions. What can you do? Absolutely, yeah, um, and especially when you've still got. Uh, players like Camaronesi um, in the squad yeah. I, I mean Racing seems to have this problem where players they put on the Racing jersey and seem to underperform to what they've done previously I mean Sand is a big example he, he was a great goal scorer for a uh, huge amount he even scored a lot of goals in, in River and they didn't like him 
and now it's he seems like he's forgotten how to play football. It's insane. Yeah, it's incredible. It's really incredible. Yeah, I think even especially in wrestling, like we would say, it's even more of a problem when it comes to the classic stuff. I'm just seeing seem to get an opposite reaction. Like independent, they always race the game for classicos, and wrestling seem to seem to hide, seem to seem to go missing. They were so, fine yeah, for the summer classicos. Like if it's just a shirt that's you know way weighing heavy on them to dust off an old cliche or you know stuff, they're just not as good as we think. They were fine for the summer classicals, but they've they seem to have forgotten how to do it now. It matters. Yeah, it seems very very similar to what happens sometimes to River. You know, when when they go into the classical, doesn't even matter where they've come from from the matches before. They just seem to go into it with a different mentality, like they're already going to lose from the first minute. It uh, seems to be something like that. You see, um, River and Boca. Uh, a lot of times, um, River was way better than Boca before the classical, and then it all turns around in the match. Totally. Uh, can you still hear us, Dal? Yeah, I'm still. I'm listening intently. Excellent, cool. Um, we're gonna. Uh, I think now we'll we'll let you off and uh, let you go and get back to vomiting and covering your bedroom and shit or whatever <laughs> it is you've been doing. Uh, no, absolutely glorious. From from myself and and from Santiago and I'm sure from all of Hand of Pod's listeners, we hope that you're feeling much better by the time this is online. Let's hope so, mate. I'm hoping so too. Yeah, uh, get back and, and stay hydrated and get some rest now, mate. Um, say goodbye for now. I'll, I'll see you next week. Cheers, thank you for appearing. Goodbye for now. Okay, um, now that Dan has uh, has made his appearance, obviously that was the Avellaneda Clásico in which uh, Independiente lost, uh, sorry, won 2-0. Uh, we apologise if, if not all of the sound quality was fantastic on that, um, but Skype appearances are always a little bit tricky to record. Um, I guess that the next match that we can get straight on and talk to talk about particularly with an Arsenal fan here and particularly because I was at it was Argentinos versus Arsenal um, in which Argentinos scored the, the first goal of, of 2013 but Arsenal won uh, I'm assuming ah, actually it was the other way around it was 2-0 for Arsenal and then Argentinos scored the goal in yeah sorry I, I meant yeah. it was Argentinos first goal oh, the oh um, them. yeah, they, yeah they, they didn't <laughs> score in the first two rounds uh, but yeah Arsenal uh, mm-hmm. having taken a 2-0 yeah. lead through goals from who scored the first one um, it was actually oh what's his name um, from San Lorenzo and also playing in Olimpo before uh, Julio Furch wasn't yeah. it uh, it was his first goal he hadn't scored in 2012 at all uh, he, he, he had a goalless uh, participation in San Lorenzo, came to Arsenal more than one year before scoring. He just uh, pushed the Carbonero center into the goal or, mm. or across. And a brilliant goal by Carbonero yeah, after that. It was fantastic. I think. Yards out yeah, I think it was the best goal in the... Just in under yeah, the cross yeah, yeah. by yet another mm-hmm. long-range stunner. We were talking a couple of weeks ago about how many we saw in the first weekend, and then there were a fair few last week as well. Um, I think it has a lot to do with the ball as well. Uh, I mean, in the yeah. first, uh, you know, the first few matches, a lot of goalkeepers were complaining about the ball that it was different. You could see a lot of mm. plays where there was a straight shot at goal, and goalkeepers seemed to fumble. Yeah. So, yeah probably has something to do with that although you always hear about the ball in every, sing- every single time they change course, it yeah. but yeah mm-hmm. uh, until the goalkeepers get used to it during the 2010 World Cup we, use it, the, 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 we heard a lot about the ball during the World Cup and, and about how t- tricky it was and it was the same ball that we've been using in Argentina for the previous yeah, yeah, season yeah I remember seeing it in, Obviously, in the lower divisions as well yeah. having the tie up with, mm-hmm. with Adidas and also with Ronaldo uh-huh. being so high up FIFA as we'll yeah, yeah. probably get on to mm-hmm. later on when we start talking about Arsenal 
um, th- these balls tend to get given a trial in a couple of leagues. I think Germany and Argentina are two of the main ones. And it didn't really seem to be an issue from the season before it, but as soon as the World mm-hmm. Cup started, everyone yeah, was like, everyone was getting. Mm-hmm. Um, but what did you make of, of Arsenal's performance particularly? Because one of the things that we've noticed so far is that the sides involved in the Libertadores really are struggling. I mean, Vélez... Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, Vélez, Newbels, and Tigre. Um, um, well, Arsenal have a very, very hard, uh, you know, a very hard time at Libertadores. We were playing against um, a Bolivian team, uh, yeah. strongest. Uh, we lost on the first match, um, which was in La Paz, which is around 4,000 meters. Uh, Trying to play at that kind of altitude yeah, it's insane. then is, is never a good uh, No, no, it's insane. And then you have Sao Paulo and Atletico Mineiro, which is who we're playing um, right now, today. And so uh, I really don't have a lot of hope for Arsenal making it through to the next mm. um, uh, part of the Libertadores, so it's okay that they're. Uh, they're trying to make it also in the in the local championship. I mean, I think it's, it's a solid squad. It's kind of an interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I was interested by the fact that for the first two rounds, we've seen the, the teams who've been in midweek action, the Libertadores, mm-hmm. fail to win yeah. every time so far because Newell's only drew against uh, San Martin last mm-hmm. night as well on Monday night. Um, and okay, Arsenal weren't in Libertadores midweek action last week, but they yeah. did play on Monday night. Mm-hmm. And then again on Friday against Argentinos, so they yeah. only had three days rest there. It's, I mean, it's effectively the same as playing a Libertadores yeah. game on Tuesday or Wednesday and then playing on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a hard schedule for, for Arsenal, for a small team, it's a hard yeah. schedule as well. So it's, it's kind of the nearest that we've come so far to having a, a, mid, a, sorry, with a mid-week match, I guess, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. win the following weekend. And oh. I thought they were OK. I mean, Argentinos were the better side for 55 minutes. Yeah. Argentinos were having Argentinos a very hard time, You kind of develop this, mm-hmm. this feeling. It was like, yeah, Arsenal are going to score any minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. when they do, Argentinos' heads are going to drop. Argentinos' heads didn't drop, but Arsenal did, did well to weather that storm, I thought. I think Arsenal was decent, but it had a lot to do with Argentinos' really bad moment right now. I mean, uh, mm. as you know, the manager of Argentinos resigned after the match. Precisely, Gabriel um, Schurro has gone, and I was quite sort of angry about that, really, mm-hmm. because it's another example of looking at results, but not really looking at the performances. Argentinos have put in, certainly, I, I didn't catch the Racing game in the second week, uh, but the two home games that I've, I've been at both of them, and hugely improved performances mm-hmm. from Argentinos compared with what they were doing throughout 2012 um, just yeah, I mean I, massively I think they're better in the new, new, the new starting off against Vélez mm-hmm. and then against Racing yeah. isn't a, a, a yeah, you know it's a hard start it's a very tricky start yeah, uh, especially yeah. Racing away um, I think they they think they're going to be the next Banfield you know a team who wasn't supposed to be in the fight for or in the struggle for going to second division mm. and now they're seeing the averages they're saying that they're uh, in a difficult zone, and now I think that they want to just change as fast as they can. So, uh, you know, it's only a few months until relegation. So, right, yeah. yeah. In fact, yeah, they are now nine points ahead of Independiente, who, as mm-hmm. we mentioned, pulled themselves out of the relegation zone with the, uh, the win in the Classico, combined by the fact that San Martin couldn't beat Newell's on Monday evening. Um, so, yeah, in fact, you're right. I, I, haven't, I haven't even bothered to look at them. Um, yeah, yeah, in that light, but they're, they're not a million miles above above that battle, especially if San Lorenzo can start winning. Yeah, uh, is good. Independiente is good. At some point, you know. Um, then you have Quilmes, who's still winning. Union is obviously condemned by now, but you know, the, the 
after Banfield last year, nobody wants to be that team. No. Anyway, nobody wants sure. to be the team that's not thinking about the averages until the last match and yeah. then getting relegated. For the benefit of those mm-hmm. who started listening to the pod since the end of last season, Banfield were relegated to the end of last season with a 73-point season um, as one of the three that counted towards their average, which included the championship. Um, Argentine relegation is, is done by averaging out points over the previous three seasons. Uh, in the current division which is exactly as confusing as it sounds if you're <laughs> listening to me and don't have any idea what I'm talking about uh, essentially Banfield became the first side to have won a championship within those previous three seasons and then gone down Argentinos might just become the second because of course they won it in uh, two, uh, the end of 2009-10 yeah which, with Borghi which is still on that mm-hmm. that's, that's one of the 54 point seasons yeah um, yeah yeah I don't know. I mean, I, mean, so I think Argentinos are having a really hard time. There was a rumor about Maradona being the margin of Argentinos, which I don't think is is going to happen. I think um, all of us at Hand of Pod can say we would love it to happen. Yeah. Because <laughs> if that did happen, Hand of Pod's listening figures would rocket. <laughs> of course. Sure. Um, Wouldn't we all love Maradona to manage a first division Argentinian team? It I would be incredible. We'd all, we'd all love him to manage a first division Argentine team that we don't support. <laughs> yeah, of <laughs> course. But it's, it's probably not going to happen. I heard Almeida is, uh, is one of the possible replacements for sure mm, um, maybe also Mario Gomez which is a very defensive kind of manager yeah. uh, he's in Gimnasia de Jujuy right now second division you know one of those guys who just five defenders <laughs> no frills if, if they do something like that it'll be ridiculous because mm-hmm. going so completely against the philosophy yeah. that Schurer has got which as I say mm-hmm. it led to improved performances um, would be an interesting way of, of doing it uh, other big results over the weekend and again we're going to leave the, the two uh, table toppers for last I think at the moment but Estudiantes San Lorenzo finished uh, 1-1 um, in again a match that was pretty important to the relegation battle San Lorenzo's third straight draw uh, so you first goal also for the season for them yeah that's true mm-hmm. you can kind of see San Lorenzo potentially being sucked back down into that relegation zone that they thought that they were sort of clear of after an impressive torneo in ECL they need to start getting a win at some point soon they yeah. haven't disappointed exactly yet but well they're kind of you know buying time with those uh, draws but it's all going to come and um, mm. there's either start winning or start losing um, it was a poor performance by both teams Estudiantes is not having a good season and uh, it was a really poor match just no, not a lot of goal situations um, so yeah yeah, was, it's a, a, team, a match between two teams who aren't really doing well. I was asked the question on, on my Twitter, not not for the podcast specifically, um, during the week, and I, I just wonder what you think of it. Santiago is obviously somebody who's been uh, in Argentina for, mm-hmm. for well for most of this time. I know obviously last year you were living with my brother in New Zealand, which <laughs> yeah. is, is what you're doing here now. Um, but um, Estudiantes have fallen a very long way since... Obviously, Salerno yeah. took over the national and team, Veron. Mm-hmm. and since Veron retired, they've still got a strong squad. On in terms of the names on paper, you look at how good the individual yeah. players are. So, what is it exactly? Are they just getting old? It seems like they don't have a, you know, a head. And some, why are they not some... playing Roman Martinez more? Um, Roman Martinez, uh, he he's actually from Arsenal's um, lower divisions. Mm. He went to Tigre then on loan and he exploded yeah. there he had a great time there but he was still uh, an Arsenal player he came back I think Roman Martinez is a player It's he's not meant to be you know the heart of a team mm. uh, I think Estudiantes are still mourning Veron 
and they still have to find out another I mean, captain. Specifically, signed as well when they signed, they, yeah. they said this guy is going to be, he's, he's going to go in and yeah, yeah. But still, I mean, uh, Roman Martinez is kind of. Uh, we, we call this kind of players uh, Lagunero, mm. which is one of those players who appears and he's amazing one match, and then the other match he's practically not not in the field. Um, Beron was regular, and mm. that's what made him a. a great number five and uh, a great, you know, as I said, heart of the team. Roman Martinez can, can be a very good enganche, can be a very good number ten, but he still needs something else. Um, yeah, I don't know, It's maybe it's time. Yeah, they do have a very good squad, but... Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a bit mystifying, you know. Stagnated somewhat. Um, the other ones, well, we have to... All boys definitely deserve to mention they pulled off yeah. I'm almost tempted to say not the shock of the weekend actually because it doesn't feel like a shock anymore that Carlos oh. Bianchi's Boca poor at the back yeah. and losing matches uh, they conceded two goals again it's the third time in 2013 and the third time in, in four matches isn't it in all competitions mm-hmm. that they've conceded two goals um, yeah. they did it against Quilmes in the first week when they won 3-2 they did it against Toluca in yeah. the first round of the Copa Libertadores the first match sorry the Copa Libertadores losing 2-1 in La Bombonera and now they've conceded two Away to all boys and not been able to score any for a 2 0 win. Uh, former River Plate midfielder uh, Oscar Almada mm. scored the first. Uh, Oscar Almada, the, the defensive uh, midfielder who very rarely got forward for River and is now joint top scorer of the time yeah, final with insane. three goals from the opening three that's matches. Um, it was quite funny because Almada had a famous phrase a couple years ago. Um, River was playing San Lorenzo for the Libertadores and there was a big upset and when San Lorenzo won Almada basically said that it was uh, it was the f- basically the fault of the River supporters yeah. uh, you know the Silencio Atroz uh-huh. yeah. so uh, him scoring against Boca was probably something strange for all River fans um, he scored three goals in the season so far and he had only one goal in his 13 year long career so it's a bit strange uh, He's a great number five. That's what I think. I think that he yeah. was ostracized as a real plate oh, because of what yeah, he so said. I mean, he's amazing. He was really mm-hmm. captain when he said that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he went to was it Russia to Zenit or somebody? Um, I'm going to look that up actually because otherwise I'll prove myself wrong. Yeah, but but Boca is a team that has. I, I think they have one of the two or three best squads in the Argentinian football. So it's it's also strange that they're playing like they're playing. It just doesn't seem to have... I mean, it, it seems really bizarre with Carlos Bianchi being the manager as well. He, he went, sorry, from River to Wolfsburg, back to River, uh, then to Veracruz, and then to FC Rostov. He was in Russia, mm-hmm. wasn't he, making it up. Um, uh, Almada. But yeah, Bianchi at Boca just doesn't seem to uh, to have... Yeah, got, kind got, of got jelly together. together. Uh, I mean, of, of course, he's inherited the Falcioni's team, and of course... Uh, everyone compares him to Ramon uh, Diaz uh, because they're the two big managers of the 90s and the two biggest managers of the recent history of the both biggest teams Uh, it's true that Bianchi had uh, control of the team way later than Ramon had Ramon Mm. had the last uh, match of the last season he got to choose his own uh, you know the, the, the players that he brought so it's a bit more Ramon's team now it still seems strange that Ramon has infused the real place with this strange kind of strength, and Bianchi hasn't seemed to be able to do it. It's, it's utterly How bizarre, about especially because mm-hmm. it, it's not as if the shift from Falcioni's for all of the talk in Boca about 
their fans complaining about the style of football they were playing under Falcioni and how ugly it was. It's not as if the shift from Falcioni's style of football to Bianchi's style of football, really. Yeah, yeah it's not. Is that great? Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. at, at root, they're both basically pragmatic managers who yeah, so build from the back. Of course, you know, four defenders, double five, yeah. two guys, and you'd, you'd have mm-hmm. to question. Well, obviously, tomorrow they play. Um, they're away, aren't they? In the Copa Libertadores against in Guayaquil against Barcelona. Okay, um, uh, of course. Uh, yeah, that, that's five. his excuse, of course. Yeah. He's been saying about playing three tournaments, you know, European style, you got the Copa Argentina, which they're obviously they're going not. to do with the reserves, yeah. Copa Argentina. Exactly, and they haven't played mm-hmm. in it yet, so it's no, not no. the performance and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And he's done great in the past mm. doing two uh, championships as well. Precisely. So it's, it, it does seem a bit strange. Um, I don't know, they, I think they have a brilliant team. I love Arbiti. I think Silva is a great goal scorer, and he's yeah. doing not too good I mean a lot of Boca fans that well, I know he's, hate he's not been taken to Ecuador has mm-hmm. it and people are wondering whether this is because he played poorly away to all yeah. boys um, or because he's injured or whatever him and um, Leandro Somoza mm-hmm. were, were training separately on oh. Monday I think Somoza is the most resisted of the whole Boca squad right yeah. now from what Boca supporters I know they all think that Somoza is the one that should definitely well he was fantastic 12 months ago he was fantastic yeah, yeah, and he's fallen away Along, especially so far in, in the torneo final, uh, he, he's been really poor. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting. But by the time we record next, Boca will have played two matches more. They've got this Barcelona game um, tomorrow, and then they have a home tie against Union at the weekend. Yeah, so well, you'd have that's to meant to be an easy game. Union have lost how many matches? Around fifteen in a row. They haven't mm-hmm. won in twenty six, and 26? I think they've got something like yeah, fourteen, fifteen yeah. straight defeats. Um, I think the record is held by Sarmiento de Junín with 37 matches. 37? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, in Primera. Wow. Only season in Primera for them. So Union might just manage. <laughs> is that mathematical? Let's see, 26. We've played three, so we've got 16 to go. Yeah, they can overtake it. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, it'll be interesting. So that's a goal for Union, for Union, Union supporters. You know? Yeah. They're not um, going to make it. <laughs> so well, might as well go for the record. If they do, we could see a few more. Uh, incidentes uh, yeah. this, this word that was introduced to hand the pod during Ed Malian's uh, stay in Buenos Aires uh, because Union's uh, most recent defeat was to Quilmes the, the second bottom team in the relegation zone who are now giving themselves a, a fighting chance uh, after two straight wins they, they beat Union 3-0 and the second half was held up for 18 minutes by what exactly happened on the TV was not entirely clear but what seemed to happen was that Union's Fans up with that inverted commas. Yeah, they kind of attacked. Um, started the protesting. They started, yeah, trying to tear down a fence and trying to get into the Kilmes zone. Um, at which point, the, the Kilmes fans obviously responded in kind and ended up just being driven from the stadium by the riot police. Yeah. Um, very, very peculiar situation, but one that we're not really too uh, unused to seeing, unfortunately, in Argentine football. No, yeah, it also happened with Tigre. And River, which we're going to talk about a bit yeah, later, I think. Of course, yeah. But yeah, that's two black marks for this um, for the this weekend, and definitely. You know, Union just seems not to be on the right here. I mean, on no. the first uh, we played Arsenal played Union on the first um, on the first match of the season, and uh, Union was winning throughout the whole game, mm. and then. Four, four minutes into the extra time there was a strange goal by Arsenal and yeah. it was 1-1 uh, it's, they it's just it doesn't seem to be their season really it's reached the point where in terms of betting tips if, you, if you're betting in play I would almost suggest 
if Union do somehow manage to get ahead, if you notice that Union have taken the lead, put a bet on them to lose because the odds obviously will uh, will be reflected in the fact that they've taken the lead and it will just up the odds and they're not going to win. You can almost guarantee it. Uh, elsewhere, Martin Palermo uh, continues to do wonders for Godoy Cruz. He's now got one draw and two wins. Uh, they beat Atletico Rafaela 2-1 away from home. Mm-hmm. Um, on Sunday, Belgrano got a last-minute winner. There were plenty of last-minute goals, actually, on um, Sunday. We had Independiente's last-minute uh, second goal um, against Racing. Not last-minute, let's say, but stoppage time. Uh, Rafaela's goal in, this, in the defeat to Godoy Cruz, I think, was in stoppage mm-hmm. time as well, or it might have been Godoy Cruz's winner. And you have River and Tigres amazing last yes, 15 which, minutes. Which we'll definitely get mm-hmm. on to in just a second. Uh, yeah, Diego Vera for Rafaela pulled one back in stoppage time. Belgrano, Martin Zapata got a, a late winner against Colón. A brilliant late winner as well, mm-hmm. about 20 yards out. Beautiful hit. Uh, they, they, want, they beat Colón 2-1. And then we had River Plate versus Tigre, which... Uh, yeah, I think that was the match of... If, if not the match of the weekend, then without a shadow of it out, the 10 minutes of the weekend. If yeah. you just take for a minute, 85 onwards. Um... Tigre took the lead through Alejandro Donati uh, with a set piece. Yeah, mm-hmm. with spectacular kind of side-footed volley. Whilst he himself was in mid-air as well, it was a brilliant finish. Uh, first goal River conceded in um, in competitive matches in 2013, um, and the first time, obviously, therefore that they, they've been behind in this. Did, did Ramon Diaz get any goals against uh, in competitive matches? Did he get a, a goal? In well, the last it was season? the San Martin match, wasn't it? Which was the last game of last season. Oh, okay. It was two-one. It might have been two-one. I can't remember. No, it was no, definitely in the Donnell final. It was certainly the, the first goal that they conceded the first time they'd been behind, and that was the point where you really started to think, okay, how do River respond to this? Because falling behind in the Primera. Mm-hmm previously for something like five years River hadn't turned that round and won the game you'd see the head slump and of course that's why they got they got relegated as I was yeah. explaining to uh, to uh, somebody last night uh, in a bar who, an American guy who wanted to know how the relegation system worked it if you're a big club you've got to be awful for three straight years to go yeah. down and of course that's exactly what happened to River as we know yeah, yeah. Um, so you started to think right this is where we find out really how much of an effect Ramon Diaz has had and they didn't it's drop the psychological effect, on. right? Because yeah, it seems they, to be more or less the same players as uh, last season. Yeah. It seems to be a psychological effect. Of course, you know, um, Ramon Diaz is related with La Riversión, the river version of the 90s. Yeah. Um, you know, champagne and uh, big wins and Precisely. nothing and everything is okay. And, and it, it really seems to have taken a hold of the players. And exactly, because they, they didn't uh, let their heads drop, they kept on pushing. Um, Carlos Luna, of all people, yeah. um, complied, let's say, with La Ley del Ex, the, <laughs> the law of the X, as they call it in Argentina, which Joel has mentioned on Hand of Pop before, uh, scoring not once but twice in the space of about a minute and ten seconds or yeah, something to again. first equalise and then put River ahead from right on the line. Actually, it was a Rodrigo Mora shot that wriggled between the goalkeeper's legs and more, uh, Luna just made sure it went over the line. And then Juan Manuel Torbe um, gave River a 3-1 lead in the last minute of stoppage time with a I thought that fantastic was a brilliant goal, goal as well. Brilliant. Uh, took it round one man just wide of a second and then got the shot off before he could... Uh, he was so much faster than his defender. Yeah, and in the pace. Uh, I, I mean, I was really surprised because uh, Iturbe was nothing in the Sudamericano Sub-20. He mm. was a ghost on the yeah. field. And now coming in 15 minutes into his second match, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And pulling up this amazing goal, it was just shocking for me. I mean, I was just expecting him to, to keep with his level of the Sudamericano, and yeah. it's uh, it was it was 
pretty big. Yeah, and then to uh, just to show that we weren't quite done yet, um, Jonathan Bottinelli gave away a penalty. <laughs> I almost feel harsh on Bottinelli saying he gave it away. Actually, what he, he headed it downwards and on Into its way his down to the ground, it, it sort of hit his hand. So <laughs> it, it's not. A, I, I wouldn't say it's harsh because I've always said that I think uh, penalty uh, handballs inside the area, regardless of intention, should always be given. Intention should be taken out of it because it's too ambiguous. Um, but it was certainly slightly unfortunate for him that it happened. Uh, Tigre scored it through Matias Perez Garcia, mm-hmm. the the only man in the Argentine top flight who has three. Uh, accents in his name as far as we can surmise if you know of any others please tweet us with them um, and the referee immediately blew, blew the full time whistle the, there were two big headlines after the game the first being that uh, Pablo Lunati the referee who is uh, one of the most controversial referees in Argentina certainly one of the most self-loving um, apparently said to Ruben Bota the young star from Tigre who we've mentioned before um, who, who was sent off right for Reacting at last to some pretty rough treatment that he was receiving from, uh, particularly from Ledesma and Mercado of River throughout the second half. Um, he reacted badly in the last couple of minutes and he got himself sent off. And at one point, apparently, he, he said to the papers the next day uh, that Linati had told him, "If you keep acting like a big shot, I'm <laughs> not going to not going to give you anything." Um, which is exactly what happened. So it's, it's kind of yeah, funny that he could well be on his way to Boca in the. Um, in the winter and when that happens I'm sure he'll get more calls his way um, we shall see but yeah 3-2 for River uh, the other big headline of course was uh, as, as Santiago hinted at earlier was more incidentes this one was before the match it was an interna was it like an internal dispute between two factions of Tigres Barra Brava or at least that's how it was reported yeah I think um, it was two factions of the Barra Brava who fought against each other they made up a few outside the stadium before yeah, the match yeah yeah I heard about it I didn't hear about this mm-hmm. I was, um, I'm not sure how I managed to miss it because I was on the internet and on TV uh, I wasn't on TV I was watching TV yeah. before the match <laughs> started um, and yeah five people ended up in hospital two of them with, with serious injuries yeah um, uh, it seems to be one of many uh, inside Barra Brava you know jobs and yeah yeah, it's just another one of those stories in Argentinian football. They they made a lot of mess around the Nunez area. Uh, I heard a lot of uh, stories of people who lived in Nunez and said that there there were a few businesses and you know restaurants with broken glasses. Mm. You know, just same old story for us, really. Yeah, familiar story. Uh, mm-hmm. You live very close to that, of course, Santiago. So did you? Uh, although I'm guessing you know, you come on the other side of the avenue, you wouldn't have been caught by any problems, certainly with the away fans. Uh, I'm sorry? Uh, I'm not sure exactly where you live, but it's not far from the Monumental, is it? Oh, uh, yeah, I live. I, I was actually playing football on uh, Parque Norte, which is right. next to the Monumental. Okay. Uh, so I, I didn't really get to, to see any of the yeah. of the mess, but I did hear from some people who were around the Nunez area that it, it, it did get pretty rough mm. at one point. So, oh, something actually changed. 10 minutes around. Okay, cool. Um, right, we're going to play some music now, and we're going to uh, answer a few listeners' questions. So don't go anywhere. Through these 
quickly because uh, Santiago has to, to get off and watch uh, watch Ronaldinho um, <laughs> against his team. Um, Phil Carney first of all asks uh, Agustin Marquesin has been brilliant so far for Lanús in goal. Uh, should he be in the running for the national team? Santiago, you're our Argentine, you're the man. Marquesin, uh, I think uh, it's a bit hard. I mean, Romero hasn't been too good lately, mm. so it seems to be a big opportunity by other goalkeepers. We do seem to have a lot of great goalkeepers. Willy Caballero is the one who most people seem to really want to be called. Yeah, first. I mean, uh, we, we have a lot of them. I mean, I think Saha is brilliant in Racing as mm. well. Uh, I think Campestrini is a really, really good goalkeeper who should probably prove his uh, chops yeah. in a bigger team um, I'm more of a fan of keeping Romero you know just for confidence sakes uh, Marquezine is really good though uh, but I, I, I'm not really sure if he's one head above all the other mm. Argentinian goalkeepers right now when you I say Campistrini maybe should, should try himself in a bigger team there's a reason that some of these Arsenal players Mm-hmm. Who you might expect to move on to a bigger team don't do right? Yeah, That's of not course. A certain amount um, of help from. Yeah, of course we do get some uh, some amount of help of help from the, um, you know the big guy. Um, I remember the first time that we met up, um, you were telling me that you some members of your family at least know some of, of Grandona's family. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm an Arsenal fan by family uh, designation, more or less. Um, my, my my family was a, a big part of the Arsenal Foundation uh, amongst with uh, the Grandona family and uh, the old uh, field the old Arsenal field was actually made in my grandparents um, you know wooden workshop <laughs> and this was the one field that was taken down when Arsenal went to first division it was just it just went down in the wow. <laughs> in the big match where we went to the first division and now we have a proper non-wooden the stand yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah yeah we do get some help from the big guy but there's also some um, big work right now on the lower division on the lower you know the youth team of Arsenal mm. if you see Arsenal's team right now a lot of those guys are from the Arsenal's lower you yeah, know, youth yeah. teams. You have um, most of the defense really is very young guys who are coming from the. It's almost like a mini Villas. Yeah, that's something like mm. it. But yeah, of course, uh, there are some players who have no reason to still be in a small team like Arsenal. You have Lisandro Lopez, who's a brilliant defender. Uh, he's won the Olympia de Plata last time uh, for best player in the whole Argentinian mm. um, league. And he's still in a small team like Arsenal. Uh, I mean, Boca Trial, Boca or River or any big team should have taken him ages ago if this yeah. wasn't Arsenal you know. I guess quite apart from any accusations of corruption or whatever, it, apart from anything the, the, how can I put this the ties with Grandona have, have to be able to help Arsenal to just pay their players on time. Yeah of course which even of if course. they're not necessarily able to pay them far more has no, as, yeah. as a consideration. There's, there's a lot of, uh, of uh, small facts that you know, help. There's also the fact that Arsenal doesn't have a big supporter base, so that makes it so that there's not a lot of pressure on the players. Yeah, they they know that they can lose five games in a row, and you know it's not that they're going to start chanting against these guys, or you know, you cannot lose three or four straight games in a row in River or mm. Boca, or not even in a smaller division team or in a smaller side team. Argentina is a big tough. example. You have two, three matches, and then the manager is out. Yeah, uh, Arsenal, you get paid on time. No pressure, um, you know. You know that sometimes you will get some help from the referees and stuff. So I think that's why a lot of players choose to stay. And 
but you know, there's also some work, a lot of work, as I said, on the youth teams. Mm-hmm. There's some and some. I mean, I don't think that the people who say that it's only because of the help that, yeah, sure. that Arsenal is up there. But it's impossible to, de- to deny that the help is there. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Uh, Joshua Bramlett asks, why is Bianchi leaving Paredes out of the Boca team? And can we envisage envision a lineup with Paredes and Riquelme we might um, get one this weekend because Riquelme could be featuring against Union perhaps he? for the second oh, half well, I mean Paredes was very very poor on the, uh, the summer matches I think so that's basically it yeah that's basically it I mean, he, he's very young um, Riquelme was that young when he took charge of the team but Riquelme mm. is Riquelme yeah, Paredes is Paredes so, and Riquelme yeah. already had the experience in Argentinos as well yeah, before, before moving to Boca um Craig Clark asks any thoughts on Catania and their brilliant season in Serie A. Uh, they have a core of Argentines behind their push up the table, including ex Racing man Gonzalo Bergesio. Are the team or any players getting much recognition back home? Uh, the answer to the, the latter question, at least, is no, because they're not Milan or Inter and they've not got anybody yeah. actually in the national team. Um, yeah, of Catania do have um, Papu Gomez, which is mm. uh, what was, I think, what the best player that I've saw with the Arsenal t-shirt uh, in terms of ability and you know he was really brilliant mm. and he's doing really well in Catania as well so I'm cheering for him we kind of uh, mock Catania at times for being made up of Arsenal uh, of, of, of Argentina B players uh, <laughs> of course <laughs> rather than being a very creme de la creme of, of available Argentines uh, but yeah I mean they've, yeah, they've the, been the new from, team. from what very little I've seen of them the new Valencia but unfortunately very little attention um, okay. in Argentina because they don't have any big stars Phil Carney again asks who'd win between in a match between Arsenal and Arsenal <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe it would be nil-nil <laughs> you know with all our players just hanging on the post uh, it's probably going to be Arsenal, man. Sorry. Rob, Rob Solomon um, asks potentially a bit of a leading question here. I'm going to let you answer this one, Santi, because we've given our own version of it on Handapod a couple of times. Who decided to create Arsenal and why? Uh, well, Arsenal was created around 50 years ago. It was um, a few families. Grandona family was, of course, the most famous one. There were another couple families, one of which was my family on the mother's side. Um, Arsenal's colors are a mix of the two big teams on Avellaneda. So you have um, light blue for Racing and you have red for. Um, I'm wearing the Arsenal shirt right now. So you've got the white stripes on it yeah, well yeah, for yeah. Racing as well. Um, so you have red for Independiente and light blue for Racing. So uh, it was only 50 years ago. It had been 50 years or more since Independiente and Racing were created. This is actually the youngest team in the first division right now. Mm. Um, and if you actually see Arsenal's logo, you have a football and you have a small tower, which is because it was it used to be a football and chess club. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So yeah, yeah. And Arsenal is also the the only team in the whole first in the whole history of Argentinian football to have won the championship and have been in every single division of the Argentinian uh, football leagues. Mm. We were in Primera D and then we got uh, to Primera C and and we also are one of the only I think it's only three teams right now who never got relegated you have Boca Independiente and Arsenal um, um, so yeah it was basically not, a small team at the not time. been in the Primera for, for quite as long as in <laughs> no of course not <laughs> um, yeah but uh, the story that I always hear is that Grondona created it so that his son could get a team to play for 
Um, his son got turned down on transfer Independiente or something well, like that. Uh, actually, w- w- Brandon was very young when Arsenal was created. Mm. It was 50 years ago. He's around, he's pushing 90 right now. Or yeah, it's five or seven. He was 30 something. So, I mean, his son could have been. Yeah, yeah, or he could have been like five or something. But actually, the Agarondona family has a very big influence also in the Arsenal football squads. I mean, the 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 most capped team, uh, the most capped player that we have is um, Grandona as well. And uh, I mean, we have one Grandona who was the most capped g- uh, guy in the whole Arsenal history. Another Grandona who was a very big uh, goal scorer, mm-hmm. uh, also in the 80s or something. Um, so yeah, the whole Ars- the whole Grandona family. Of course, right now the president is uh, Julio's son. So yeah. and the stadium is named after the guy. So. Of course, there's a lot of links there. But we, al- we already know that um, that Grandon is going to be st- uh, the, the big man himself is going to be standing down uh, as head of the AFA in 2015. Yeah, Are expecting Arsenal to suddenly fall all the way back down the uh, league. Standard, that's the big enough? question. I'm, I'm guessing myself. they've got enough of a structure by now to. Uh, to I think themselves. that his idea is to, you know, and everyone's idea in Arsenal is to give it a whole structure so yeah. that that won't happen. Um, well, hopefully not. I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> we shall see. Um, finally, Joseph... Oh, no, there are two more. In fact, Joseph Sexton asks, uh, assuming that we've seen uh, Madrid, uh, Barcelona versus Madrid today, of course, Madrid won 3-1. Um, it was just finishing oh, as we were starting to record, actually. Three, three, uh, how much of Di Maria's incredible display can be put down to his midfield role under Sabella for the national team? Um, something missed virtually the whole game because yeah. you were travelling hmm. down here. I, I saw it. Sort of, I wasn't paying that much attention to it, but I, I did have it on. Um, I think it's a combination of, of Sabella and also of Mourinho giving him. Uh, both of them demand a lot of uh, discipline from the position, and definitely, I mean, Di Maria's display today was, from what I saw of it, was reminiscent of, of some of his particularly impressive ones for Argentina. So I think Sabella has to take some credit, but obviously Mourinho as well, um, as the manager for Madrid, has to has to take some more. Uh, one question left, and it's for Mystic Sam. So Santiago now has to, to go, his, his friend is here waiting for him, um, and they're off to see Arsenal versus Ronaldinho, I mean, Arsenal <laughs> versus Atletico Mineiro. Um, <laughs> There's 10 other guys, you know. <laughs> yes, supposedly. Uh, good luck tonight, Santi. Well, um, thank you. Um, um, I might be catching on TV, I think. Uh, thank you very much to English Dan for appearing in spite of illness. Um, we'll say goodbye to you now, and then I'll come back after this little incidental break and... Um, and do Mystic Sam's predictions and ask, answer the final question. Uh, but for now, Santiago, thank Great. you very much for coming on. Okay, thank you. And, and don't forget to talk about Lanús. No, I won't. Do Best it. team right now to. in the yeah. tournament. So. Um, and yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll have you back on. Yeah, again at some hope point. so as well. Cool. Really enjoyable. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay, here we are again. Uh, final question, uh, now that Santi's uh, left, is from Doug Mulliken, and he asks for Mystic Sam. When will Central finally win promotion? Uh, my answer to that, I think, is going to be this season. Um, as we mentioned probably briefly before, uh, earlier this season, uh, there are now three teams just going directly up from being Nacional. There are no more promotion relegation playoffs. The bottom three in the relegation table in Primera goes straight down. The top three come straight up. Um, and Central currently atop of Binacional with, I think I've read somebody saying on Twitter the other day, 
they've got a better record than River Plate had after this number of matches last season. Uh, they're on 43 points, Olimpo 42, Gimnasia 39, and then Banfield in fourth on 35. So Central have got like an eight-point cushion and are, are going really well. Uh, they got a, last, a very late winner against Dorakan away from home uh, just last night on Monday. I think that we can uh, look forward to having the Clásico Rosarino back in the Primera uh, next season. Unless they manage to, to fall away enormously, of course. Um, and now, I'm going to make my predictions and tell you what to, to bet on uh, this coming weekend. Quilmes versus Atletico de Rafaela. I think it's going to be another win for Quilmes, who are on a good run at the moment. Newell's Old Boys versus Belgrano. Two sides have yet to get going, and I think that's going to finish all square. Argentinos Juniors, I'm going to have some faith, even though they're now with an interim manager. I think they can get a point away to Martin Palermo's Godoy Cruz. Arsenal de Sarandí, uh, Shane Santi's already left to hear this one, but I think it's going to be, I think they're going to lose at home to Independiente, purely because of the, the midweek uh, pressure that's being put on them, obviously, this evening, Tuesday evening. Colón and Estudiantes have very similar records so far, I think they're going to draw. Tigre versus All Boys, I think, will be a draw as well. Tigre are also in Libertadores action, um, I think it's on Thursday night. Boca Juniors are also in Libertadores action, but as we said earlier, they've, they've got to win, surely, because they're at home and they're playing Union. Racing should be motivated to do better than Sunday. That's not very difficult. I think they'll get a point at home to Lanús. Uh, River Plate to get an away win over San Lorenzo. And Vélez Sarsfield versus San Martín. Given that Vélez are in the Libertadores, I'm not quite sure what to say because San Martín were much better last weekend. But I will stick my neck out and go for a draw on that one. Um, thank you very much for listening. I feel very peculiar doing this. I've never finished off an episode of Hand of Pod all on my own before. I feel very very lonely but thank you uh, in their absences to English Dan for being dedicated enough to turn up on Skype and also to Santiago um, who's now on his way down to Sarandi and of course finally uh, thank you to our listeners thank you to all of you and goodbye <laughs>